Revelator Podcast Network listeners, we're calling on you. We could use your help. We're courting our very first sponsor for the network. We're working with Manscaped over on Kyle's Valheim Bulletin. If you haven't subscribed to that show, make sure you do. It's a wonderful video game. I, I could talk about it forever. What I'm here to tell you about is that you can get 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the code KVB, like Kyle's Valheim Bulletin, right? So KVB, do that. Get yourself one of their new products. They just sent me the Lawnmower 4.0 that just came out here in May, and it's really, really nice. So check it out. If you got a guy in your life that you want to buy these for or anyone that you want to send these to, they got a whole range of products up there going on now. Use code KVB. You're literally helping the network and this show grow by doing that. Get 20% off, free shipping, KVB, like Kyle's Valheim Bulletin. Thank you so much. Hello, everybody. Kyle here. Welcome back to the Stellaris Emergency Broadcast Podcast. I'm joined here by my co-host, Stark. Stark, how are you doing this week, man? Pretty good. Good to hear. How's that PC working out for you? Really nicely, actually. Got um, nice upgrade going on, getting some good stuff. Yeah. Gaming happening. Yep. Um, ironically, spent a lot of time with Kenshi lately, so it's <laughs> that's not a looker, but it, it is fun to have that one running very smoothly without having to worry about load times. Um, it can get really brutal on the processor. So I feel you. The first time I built my own PC and dropped a decent chunk of money into it, I... Mm -hmm inaugurated that thing with uh stardew valley in 2017 <laughs> so uh that was when those shiny new rise and processors first hit the market and i was like let me test you against this so that was something it's always a laughing matter but uh in today's episode everybody we're going to be talking about stellaris dev diary 211 this is covering 3.0.3 beta updates uh, this one's a really, really, really good one to talk about. We've mentioned in the past, we want to always be kind of light and airy when dealing with patch notes. I In, in our past shows, we've gone too deep in them and they get boring. This one's going to be great because this one addresses a lot of the community concerns that have been happening uh, since Nemesis's launch, primarily looking at, uh, in relation to like commercial districts, job counts, um, the industrial districts, looking at AI updates, population growth updates, all the things that you heard us call out in these last couple episodes are, are getting a, a new coat of paint, it looks like. It, before we get into any details, I'll just say right off the bat, a huge thank you to the dev team for listening to everyone's feedback on this stuff. Uh, I, I know that I sound critical quite often when I'm finding things that don't seem to work. But my my goal is always just to get it out there, not, not with condemnation about, you know, jobs poorly done, but... Uh, quite the opposite. I'm like, how do we get this thing s like smoother, more polished, and a better finish? And I really love what this community has been bringing to the table from the people I've chatted with on Twitter and such. I, I love the ideas that people have for like insights to these and how to fix them. Stark, what are you kind of thinking off of this one? Any Anything that, that maybe stands out to you right off the bat? Or do you want to just dive in at the top of the article and move our way down? Um, why don't we hop in? Like, there's There's a lot of stuff here. So let's just hop in and run through some of this. Okie doke. So I'm skipping over there. I mean, there's some fixes here going on to Cybrex precursor mm -hmm. chains. I think if you found that stuff, dive into it yourself. Check that out. They even have a link to a bug report for them. But the one that really starts to catch my eye are, are when they start talking about too many clerks. 
Uh, it basically, it goes on, it says, there's a common theme in the feedback related to the sheer number of jobs in the game, which are too high, and we agree. Clerk clerks are especially notorious for this, since in many cases, you would rather see them unemployed and moving to more valuable positions elsewhere in mm -hmm. Empire. Uh, and they say they're going on to take preliminary steps to reduce the number of jobs and changing things to focus on increasing productivity instead. Thank you. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that, Stark? Lay mommy. Um, so this is sort of a, a very quick overview of it, but it looks like there's a change, at least with the clerks, to make them a little bit more valuable individually without having to have as many. Mm -hmm. And if that's becoming a general theme where it's like, because I think we've talked about this a couple of times, like the pop rebalance, where pops are still incredibly important. And in a lot of cases, it f at least felt like we still needed as many as we had before. We just were gated off from that. If there's going to be a shift to individual pops being more significant from a strategic level, um, which is sort of what we're seeing here, like it's affecting their trade, their trade values being increased into, per job. So that's sort of what we're seeing here where it's like, okay, then the number of clerks we need will go down, right? Like their, their amenities haven't changed, but amenities is related to the overall population of a planet anyway. So that when you have a lower population, like you, you don't have to make them more important individually, but that change in the, the uh, trade production, if that's indicative of where they're going. So it's like, you can, you can do more with less. That's, that's a really good piece of streamlining. I personally strongly agree with that. So I, I will go back and read the specifics on the clerk in just a sec, but I think this next one will shine a lot of light for people as just an overview here more. Uh, it, it says this is a balance update Buildings that increased basic resource production and added jobs to basic resource producing buildings or districts, we're talking energy grids, mineral, mineral purification plants, uh, any of those ones that are, you know, you're, you're placing down a building that's then modifying your, your district slots. They will now increase the base production of the relevant jobs by one and two or two based on tier instead of the previous modifiers it goes on to say machine empires will gain the extra resource district slots as before so start correct me uh i i'm i'm really liking what we're seeing here so they're added added jobs to basic resource building pro producing mm -hmm. buildings or districts this is i think going to be really really strong it's hard to say without seeing a picture right next to it but now increase the base production of the relevant jobs by one or two so again like you said it's just modifying the base more mm -hmm. yeah before it was a percentage modifier on the top and yeah. then it would add a couple sometimes they add additional jobs i'm not sure exactly what the schema was for that but um and that's still there like it'll still create additional jobs um i'm not sure if because I don't have the full, like, I don't actually have the full game running in front of me with this patch, obviously. But and that's actually something we, we used to do and we haven't done anymore. Like, I don't I don't worry about having a, a, a prototype patch or prototype belts running on the system just because it does chew up a lot of time. Yeah. Um, sure. Not worried about getting that deep into the weeds with this right now. But it looks like what this will do is it will beef up individual production, mm -hmm. like for each individual pop rather than buffing the overall um, I could be wrong, but this like this will certainly still um, it'll still work really well if you're heavily specializing. But I don't think it'll punish you nearly as much if you're not heavily specializing planet I, because you're still going to be getting that benefit. 
think you're right. And I did make like when I was reading that aloud, I had a moment like a, a brain fartish sort of second where it did click with me. I thought that they were getting rid of in my first read through the attached jobs to those modifier mm-hmm. buildings. I, I actually am curious to know. Well, I mean, I'm just interested. I To me, it sounds like it'd be almost better to do that. I could be terribly, terribly wrong, but I... I, I misinterpreted this first time through. I'm still plenty, plenty happy with the change because I understand where it's going. And I do have more faith in them to uh, yeah. figure out the path than I. But this may yeah, also just lead to less computational sort of load as well, I'm wondering. Well, okay, so the example we've got that they specifically give is the food processing centers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that does add additional two additional agridrone. Jo- well, yeah, I forget which one gets agridrone. I think that's one of the hive mind variants. But Normally, it's an agricultural job, yeah. additional farming jobs. But right now, what will happen is you'll get the additional two jobs that exist. Um, I, I forget which whether they'll be added in as workers or skilled labor. And I think that might depend on your policies and your, um, your ethics. Uh-huh. But right now, what will happen is you'll get a couple more jobs for that type on that planet and then you'll also get, I think it's 15% for food processing centers. I could be that wrong about correct. that. That's correct, yeah. Um, whereas with this, what will happen is increases base production of all food production jo- producing jobs by two. Instead of it being plus 15%. Now, uh, That sounds like I'm less computational to, stress right off the yeah, bat. Yeah, it's going to be less computational stress because it's just going to be like, okay, instead of taking the total food production yeah. of the planet and then modifying all it by this time. percentage, it's just going to be like, okay, we just add more food for each one yeah because that's going to cut off the because that's all the time right like at least once a month it recalcs your food income and all that other stuff so i'm also wondering if this is going to take away the um so right now something going on to the surface is there's a lot of decimal points that we just don't see right right like all of these modifiers of we take 15 percent off you take 20 percent off you take you 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 produce 15 or 20 percent more you produce five percent more from this if this is a transition to making that simple arithmetic, it is going to mean that you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to do it like just straight as an integer, but it does mean you're going to only be dealing with whole numbers. Mm-hmm. So they're, you're not going to see the stuff like yeah, just rounding errors or yeah. rounding numbers just getting carved off. So you, something you can see right now in the game a lot is the game will say, "Oh yeah, you're losing energy credits per per month," but it won't show you. Like, it'll just say minus zero. And the reason is you're losing less than a full energy credit per month. If this is beginning to move towards a lot of these things just being straight additive or subtractive, that could be, you're right, that'd be a huge processing gain. But that would also go a long way towards making stuff more readable. I I wonder if that's what's going on, too. Like, I'm not sure. I hadn't noticed that until I was sitting here reading it this time. And I, I can't emphasize how important processor gain is. I mean, I'm I'm sitting mm-hmm. here on a rig that is could run circle. I mean, literally, I have a rig that like I, I bought it for streaming a couple years ago. All money spent and good, but it can run multiple video games at once, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it gets chugging with um, Stellaris, or shall I say, that Stellaris starts chugging within my computer, it, it's it's. You know, it makes us not be able to go as far. Um, it, mm-hmm. It's still, let me put it this way. I am finding in my playthroughs that I'm still hitting the Imperium fairly late in the game. And I've got to say, my friends and I have kind of lost momentum in the match by the time that started. So I, I do want to kind of, if I can, I, I, I'm, I'm 
breaking the mold. But I'm going down to the bottom to talk pop growth because I think this is a, a very similar topic for a sec because we're all very invested in this change. Um, they say mm -hmm. that they're going to continue making adjustments to the current population growth system, and they're exploring additional changes. Some of these are longer-term initiatives, however, so in the meantime, they're going to be adding quality-of-life features that many people have been asking for. The one that they're showing off here is logistic growth. Uh, and wait, let's see. It says logistic growth and growth required sliders in the galaxy configuration mm -hmm. menu. So yeah, you can see there's a logistic growth ceiling and a growth required scaling that you can move around yep. now. I'd also like to see one for the time limit for the Imperium stuff for all the council votes so that I can turn them like oh, down yeah. right from the main menu. Be like, eh, I want them to, I want those votes to roll through in 20 you know, 25% of the time it takes for right now. That way your Imperium, which is true to all kinds of like expansive power lore sort of stuff, your Imperium mm -hmm. can start up like way sooner, maybe before the mid-game crisis. But as of right now, that might push it because the meeting time. Anyway, the point is right now mm -hmm. it just takes forever and then it gets into bogged down CPU and blah, blah, blah. It's a little bit weird actually in retrospect. There's probably a mod for it, but it's a little strange that there isn't a, um, an Imperium origin like you don't start oh. as the head of the Imperium, but like an origin where the Imperium is already mm. up and running and you are sort of like you've been incorporated into it as part of your rise to the stars. That's, I'm that exist. that's so mm. smart. Why didn't they launch with, with that? Sorry, guys. Paradox about that. Hire Stark. That was a really great <laughs> idea. Um, I'm still bummed, though. I'll, I'll use this opportunity to call out one thing that I'd love to see change. Why do poor hive minds not have the ability to start with the two uh, federation starts that exist as origins? I, I I can't think of a really good reason for it. It's they can. Is it that they barred those guys unnecessarily from the two? I think that might be it. Yeah, I think It'll, they're allowed in one. There's the hegemony, which I think allowed, they can't do. Uh, they can't do the hegemony. They can't do the normal. They can do the research compact. I think. Uh. uh oh. Well. Only if they're oh, invited. The only one okay. they can initiate is the the very generic one. I think it's just called like a galactic union, maybe. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, they can't even roll with that origin for just no real reason. So if you guys could pop the cap on that restriction, it just doesn't externally make a lot of sense. But I love this one, Stark. So that's my initial fear is to say, please do what Stark's saying, but also <laughs> pop the restriction on that one. Because that would be really unique. Can we can we elaborate on that for a sec? Because what I've not seen yet, I, I had another playthrough, I think, since I've reported on the podcast where I became the Imperium person with my friends. Uh, mm -hmm. But all the AIs did were just try and undermine it through putting like a couple diplomats on the Imperium. And it was probably like 2430, 2450. So we were kind of getting into the late-ish, like we're getting tired mode. Um but but the AI was just doing that and then nothing more. Uh, so they were just putting people on. Now, the Imperium had like a zero stability at that stage. Like we had nothing. <laughs> I think they could have rebelled, but they chose not to. And I, I have it's just go ahead. You know, I wonder if the AI is just not aggressive enough with the Imperium systems yet. 
there is a note about that right above this one. If you're okay, if you're okay with me just reading out headlines and us like merging everything together as we go, because sitting right above the pop growth commentary is one on AI updates. They say we're making Mm -hmm. some updates that have significant changes to AI behavior and should improve the effectiveness of AI opponents, as well as some changes to reduce the impact of your empire if an AI were to take control of your empire for a short duration in multiplayer, have you been talking to Mac Raven? Paradox <laughs> interact. Have you been chatting with her? Uh, actually, Paradox, she's been having a great time. I'm talking to them like they care, but <laughs> she's been having a great time. Mac's empire scale has gone up. So what she's been finding real boon with is she's been playing these assimilators that I made, driven assimilators. And uh, they either kind of grow, like if we start without her, we, we plop them in and they kind of grow on their own and do their thing and she'll pick them up. But what she's finding is that they're more military focused than she is. So when she leaves for the night, like her job is to get the economy balanced. And then the AI just goes like, ah, I'm going to burn all this money and everyone's going to be completely impoverished, but we'll have warships. And then it goes and conquers like a bunch of land and she comes back in and she's like, okay, I just get to now clean house on all this. <laughs> yeah. It's a little tricky to clean up with in multiplayer though. Cause it's like, because it's constantly going forward, you can't really stop and assess everything in a vacuum. You've got to, you've just got to take it as you're rolling. It is true. And not everyone's totally geared for that. However, one thing we do, uh, this gets back. Yeah, this, this, I'm sorry. I always have so many asks, but this does get back around to me saying we, I, I'd love for multiplayer to have the speed controls reexamined because anyone in there can pause the game, but only the host can up the speed of the game. I thought that was to be troll protection at first so that, you know, not everyone's like bork in the controls and there's some Mm -hmm. semblance of order. However, it tells you visually who paused it. So why not just tell us who's speeding it up and slowing it down like a madman so that we can like boot the troll if that's the (laughs) warning or the whatever. Maybe there's a good reason for it and I just don't get it. But regardless of all that, would love to still see the key binds come in because that's still all unhot keyed. I keep forgetting that that one isn't keybound. It's this super is, distracting. Um, this is actually kind of funny because it's like I jumping between Stellaris and Kenshi. There's a weirdness because both of them have this same sort of pause, normal speed, mm-hmm. 2x, 4x speed system, and Kenshi just hard key hard binds those two uh, spaces, pause, unpause, always, and then F2 is normal, F3 is double, F4 is uh, quad. So it's like I keep forgetting that that's not a thing. Installaris when I haven't been playing it most recently. I think the only way to adjust speed by keybind is plus and minus, like way over on the far end of the keyboard. And that's only in single player. Yeah, I keep forgetting that's not there in multiplayer at all. Just randomly it's, missing all the other keys. Yeah, it's weird. I would like to compliment them on something I didn't call out sooner. And because I, I hope it's not just in my head, I'm, I'm sure I could pull up the old Nemesis patch notes and see. But to me, it appears they added a lot more keybinds to the planetary interface. Like, I can get a lot done via keybinds mm. these days, and it is showing. Uh, I would also, I'm sorry. Yeah, but there, I, was, there was an improvement to keybinds. Did they uh, mention that? Because I didn't see it. Yeah, I think so. Oh, it shows. It really does. I feel like, I hate to say it, Stellaris is still the only game that makes my carpal tunnel act up, and I actually have to, like, stop playing because the only video game i've had to do that for seven days to Mm -hmm. die a little bit but not too much these days uh 
But yeah, I feel bad. It must be my highest click per minute game that I play. Like if I actually gauge that, because I think it's all the incessant. It's either that. I think it's. I think it's both. I think it's like a mix of me having to like left click, but then also whip the mouse because you you have to touch every mm-hmm. corner of the screen in Stellaris. And again, back to multiplayer. That's what always has me shoot into the far right corner because I can't, you know, just do that via keybind. So it's literally like a very distracting interface these days. So all of this work that's being done, and I know it's not easy, like I, you guys are moving mountains and doing this stuff, but all this work when it comes to simplifying it and making it all cleaner and clearer, I have no doubt this is going to show up as more benefits to human accessibility and like, well, I guess CPU accessibility too. People can game longer, further and on, you know, cheaper quality rigs, if you will. Well, and as frustrating as it is, the UI is easier to manage now than it was two years ago. Was it? Yeah. I, well, was it two or is it three? But yeah, a couple of years ago, like there has been some significant improvements or have been some significant improvements. Um, the keybinds are the most recent one um, and the cleanups, the outline that just came through oh. where we can now actually control that. That's gorgeous. Uh, I don't have a great memory for what came before that. Um because a lot of times with the game, unless it's, this is actually kind of in general, a lot of times with games, unless it's a change that we miss, we disagree with, we don't tend to remember the way it was before that was there, you know? That's probably true. I was actually kind of gauging my weird grudge holding brain where I'm like, Kyle, are you <laughs> sure you don't have like, because I'm actually, I'm thinking back, I've still got like versions of old Facebook layouts archives somewhere in the back of my brain from like 08. <laughs> like I, I was just thinking about this the other day because I haven't used Facebook in years and I was, uh, but I have one recently. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was wondering like, how much has it changed in almost the, you know, five to a decade a that I was off of there. But I, that's, well, it hasn't, it hasn't. And I started to wonder mm-hmm. from an outsider that doesn't care to investigate. I was like, do they make changes as rapidly as they used to? Or have they fallen into a routine of, knowing that they're making like the get off my lawn people really upset so that they slowed down that pace. It, it was just a UI sort of thing that came to mind for yeah. question. With Facebook, I can't really help you there either because that's why I don't use it. Don't use oh, it. Everyone. God, no. I had to use it for, I had to use it for like a group that I'm a part of, which is cool, but <clears throat> I still don't yeah, like it. I, I don't think I've actually used Facebook uh, frequently since like 2000, 12 or something like oh god well and i'm sorry this is all very theoretical but i i did have the thought yesterday as well probably in relation twitter like we've been using this software for 10 years now and over i mean i I literally think my Mm -hmm. twitter was an 08 creation so i've had that for a very long time now and it has changed so little like there have been improvements but not a decade's worth of improvements not not in the way we tend to do with very physical items for some of that i think it's because it builds ingrained habits in us and i think that there's a lot of strength in those sort of things because you don't want to change too much on folks that they feel like they're stepping into an alien realm and because a lot of people will log off and never come back there's a lot of folks out there like that so when we're talking game design this is why i bring this all up is stellaris also can't just or can't wouldn't shouldn't won't just burn the whole ui and start again Uh, i may have advocated for that once or twice but it 
comes from the notion that what they're doing right now seems to be a slow slide in that direction. And the improvements for me are market. Now, mm-hmm. I, I do have some fear uh, just in my heart for one big incredible snafu they made years ago. And this is where when you mentioned the old UI, I wonder one thing. The one that I think is the biggest in was unlocking the technology thing for how often we have to click it. And yeah. that still doesn't have an F key. That's yeah, that's fair. Um, I put that the other one that I remembered and I, they took me a minute to actually remember that was, a, didn't used to be a thing. Used to be that the planet screen, like the, the planet manager was a single screen. It wasn't tabbed across to multiple things, or if it was, it was just the main oh. interface and the armies. So and that's kind of unfortunate, but so, hmm. but that was also the era when we had to position the structures on a planet to specific locations. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, it was it was interesting because it had like an adjacency bonus system where like you'd plop, we're talking about the uh the agricultural center, like the uh, that's the upgrade building. What was it? Yeah, the food processing center. So what happened is you'd put farms down on each of the four sides around it. You put the food processing center in the middle of it and it would give bonuses to the adjacent farms. It was it was very different. I do kind of miss it because it was this weird little mini game, but at the same time, like it was a nightmare for planning if you weren't, um, if you didn't have the ability to sort of sit there and go immediate, immediately know what you were going to do with a planet. And the blocked, yeah. like the, the blockers would actually block specific tiles because I think it was a, I think it was a four by four grid that you were filling in, and some some of those would be blocked by blockers, so you'd have to clear those if you wanted the adjacency for that. I can say that as someone who has done minimal design work, like, you know, you know me, I do website stuff, right? Like we have the the Revelator Podcast Network website. All I can say is I give huge props to people creating these tools while also knowing that you're going to change your vision in a way, because a lot of that comes to mind when you recount that, is we are working with parts of UI that were built two, three, or maybe five plus visions ago. And when I say vision, I mean directional shifts, just whenever a, a thing had to move and shake and they were updating it and it just had to work with the previous UI. That means it gets limitations and it gets mm-hmm. some funky actions in there. Uh, but again, I'm very, very happy to see them streamlining. And that's really all I can say. Like, I don't want to go into huge, huge, huge detail of, like trying in my own head to figure out exactly what adding one or two of these, uh, you know, consumer goods producing extras on each of the jobs. Like, I, I, I'm not going to know what that looks like until we get more reports from the beta testers slash until that stuff gets out there. But if you are someone that's interested in participating, highly, highly encourage you to do so. They actually have some guides up there. Um, and that's the forum.paradoxplaza.com. And you go to the Stellaris forum. But they've got a couple for how you can get involved in the open beta, what sort of feedback helps them, what they're looking to change. I mean, it's 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 moving in a direction I'm very, very happy with. And and Stark, bef- well, I guess... I was going to hop on one thing with the AI yeah, please, that I'm please. really excited about. Um, this is something... I think we talked about this a lot during the last episode, but they're talking about the AI being able to better choose research alternatives. Oh, right. Um, and that's like, I, I see that and it's like, that's actually a really, really good thing. Um, right now, and I, th- I could be wrong about this, but I think right now they just sort of pick at random. Um, at least that's been my experience in digging through the technologies they have when I'm 
jumping into an existing play and existing session on a care on a, a empire that's been run by the AI. And that's sort of bear, uh, borne out by what I've seen from AI ships over the years and AI technology in general. So it's like, if they're actually getting, if that's getting tuned so that they'll have a better research practices, that's great. That's really great. Um, also, that's going to go back into the economic stability, which is kind of the point you were making with Mac when we started reading this and you got sidetracked a I little did. bit. Which is so sidetracked. It's, it's good if it's going to be able to create a more stable economy out of the uh, the AI empires, because that's something that does consistently weaken them significantly, that they don't know how to um, build a stable economy and then use that to come after you. So even on higher difficulties, and once you have a really good grasp of how to make a, uh, a functional economy in your empire, you can start steamrolling stuff. And that's something you've been running into on uh, in the group sessions. So that's... Yeah, that's well said. You're very right. Uh, and I mean, we could talk about all kinds of things about, oh, Kyle, you got some mods running and, you know, you've got this on and you're playing with friends and blah, 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 blah. And all those are very good vectors and variables and all of that. But it still comes down to the fact that there will be empires in the hardest difficulty game of Stellaris. Like one of the most interesting ones we saw was an AI empire ate the entire eastern half of a large-scale galaxy they, they had the entire thing and that empire fell apart uh, <laughs> i don't really know what happened but they had everything in their power like that is was such a power move because they took so much land yeah it probably hurt their economy a ton i get it i believe me i know but i wonder if it, I wonder if it just absolutely tanked their stability like if they if their sprawl got to the point where it just crippled their economy, like that's actually kind of realistic too. Like not the um, yeah, like as an AI faux pas, yeah. But that's a mistake people have made in history where they've gone out and they're just going like they make these massive empires and then the empire just doesn't survive because they have no cap capability to administer it. Strong so, point there. Do yeah, that's, that's actually like it's kind of funny to watch it happen, but it's also like that's really plausible. I like that. Do AIs care about stability? Because I, I'm not sure. We have something to back what you said, like evidence for that. So Mac pops in, um, keeping in mind everyone that machine empires get a 90% penalty or something more than other empires do when you're over your stability. So mm -hmm. uh, if you're anyone and you're going to go over your stability, you're not going to be the machines because that will destroy you worse than anyone on the map. So Mac got in and again, this was an empire. I want to say she picked up, uh, we spawned it. She resumed it and mm. it had like no stability built at all. Like one or something ridiculous. Like it had an embarrassingly low, clearly not trying sort of cap. Uh, I'm making this number up, but it would be something like having 500 out of one for your, your empire sprawl. So it was yeah. like massive. And when she inherited it, she inherited a time bomb because when mm -hmm. the player got in, all those penalties came in. So before I yield the floor to your thoughts, oh. my wonder yeah. is when we amp up the difficulty, that gives the AI buffs. How does that transition whenever a player takes over and doesn't get that, like, I don't know, 50% extra energy credits per month or whatever it yeah, is? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm also not even sure that that's a, um, yeah, you asked if they cared about it. I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm not even sure if the, those rules apply to them. I don't know. I doubt it. After seeing that, and I'd love to know, I could be totally wrong, but I'm going to say no. Yeah, because I, this is one of those things that goes way back, um, 
when I was first playing, I don't remember stability being a thing. I don't know if that was just like, because this would have been three years ago, four years ago. I don't know if that was just, I didn't understand that system yet. And I was playing games where I was like, I never really expanded to, to cover massive territory. So I didn't realize that that was an important function. This was back. I was running wormhole generator empires and it's, it was always really hard to expand with them or at least it was really hard to expand with them until I learned that you could build the wormhole generators outside of your territory. That part just eluded me. It's one of the, it was one of the only structures that you can actually build just straight up wherever you didn't have to hold that territory. So I didn't realize that, but it was always very difficult for me to expand with the wormhole generator uh, empire. And so I never ran into situations where stability would have applied, but I don't remember it being a system at all back then. And looking at it now, I wonder if the AI was coded with the assumption that stability was not going to be a thing. And then those mm -hmm. rules are only applied to players. Like, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I'm not sure if that's actually the case or not. Since we're on just such a BS tangent, I want to ask the question. I would not, I don't want to commit to this. This wouldn't be a wish, but I do wonder what does Stellaris look like without the empire sprawl mechanic existing? Because I will just say it's not a system that gives me great joy and it doesn't limit my growth. To me, it is a like it is a yeah. a flappy valve, like a valve that doesn't work. Like I will beat you. You know what I mean? No matter what, <laughs> if we're talking about eating, it's like I will shove a thousand more hot dogs in there. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, that could be very inappropriate. Which is fine. That's fine. Everyone shove them where you want. But uh, um, I, I okay. I'm gonna eat them. But anyway. Back to this <laughs> flappy valve. See, it's same same thing applies. You can just you can no, just I think you're right. force it. Like, and it okay. So eh. the one thing it does give you is that exact example that I think you saw, which was the empire expands massively. Like a player makes the decision they're going to conquer the entire galaxy, but they don't actually build the infrastructure to, to administer it, and then they just completely fall apart once they're out there. But I think there are other ways to manage that. I don't think that sprawl is the only way that that happens. Um, I think the answer, what do you get when you remove that system is you have less of a check on players who expand through aggressive conquest, right? If you're just going to put your fleets out there and you're just going to steamroll over everybody, um, you have, you have less of a check on that. You don't, you don't have to deal as much, do as much to ensure you can administer all the new territory you claim. You can steamroll faster, but. Ultimately, I think in situations where you're up against empires that have a considerable military force against you, like you can't just roll over them, I think you just deadlock. I don't think it changes that much because what happens now is when you're dealing with neighbors you can't conquer, you deadlock. You lock up the systems you can. They lock up the systems they can. You probably have choke points that are heavily fortified. And then you sit there staring at each other and engaging in whatever other form of warfare you, you want to. So I don't think it changes that much in that respect. I think the only thing it does is it really, uh, I think it slows down the early game rush because that used to be a thing that was, like it was a serious strategy very early on, not even very early on, it was changed fairly recently, where what you do is you take your initial three Corvettes and you just bounce them all over nearby systems rather than sending your science ships out. And you'd use your science ship to plot direct paths to the nearest worlds you cared about and, you know, the systems that looked like they were worth surveying. But that got changed so you can't just jump Corvettes into systems that don't have that you don't have any right. sensor data on. Um, 
but I think Sprawl is mostly trying to check you there so you don't just expand and occupy specific choke points. And if I'm remembering right that this change came in with the conversion to hyperspace only, so the loss of warp drive and the loss of wormhole drives, then that probably makes sense because without Sprawl, it would be a lot easier to scout the area around you, find the choke points, lock off large areas of the galaxy, and then just slowly sit there and saturate. You can already do You can still do that. And the penalties aren't crippling early game, but it does make it harder to do that and tech up and do a bunch of other things at the same time. That so, I definitely hear. Like, I think it's, it certainly serves a purpose, but I think you're right. Like, it's not a, it's not vital. It's low hanging fruit for sure. Mm -hmm. Cause I, I am imagining a world where like, what would happen if I, you know, I mean, admittedly, what if you could just take it off with cap or with a, a mod? And I'm sure you can. Uh, no, you can probably remove it with a mod. Like it's. My first thinking. So when I talk about low hanging fruit, we're, we're in a, a game stage where they're looking at reducing pop. A lot of my pop is wasted on those sort of jobs and buildings. Mm -hmm. Now, again, if we're talking about just like what don't you need in the game, my brain goes to things that are very much driven towards just that. Because I have worlds. I, I do recognize a lot of the stuff that does your Empire Sprawls usually linked to Unity or another. It usually has two parts. So they've not made it typically exclusive. I'm sure there are cases um, there's definitely civics and such, which are just about mm -hmm. increasing your empire sprawl. Uh, that's all fine and dandy, but I will say, if empire sprawl is another number crunch that is hurting us, and I have to imagine it kind of is, because it gets a lot of modifiers put on it, mm -hmm. and it gets to be and all big numbers. Yeah, they're all yeah. percentage, and they're really big numbers. We're talking like, I don't know, 5,000. Yeah, that sounds right. I don't know. I, I don't know. But anyway, they get really, really high, and I could see that being detrimental to the game when you don't get perks from it. That's that's kind of the other area I almost want to leave off yeah. and say. it. When you were talking earlier, it made me think, the other thing about Empire Sprawl is it's almost like a noob punishment in a way. Mm -hmm. So for yeah, someone that's just starting up the game, uh, it's just an extra slap in the face. And guess what? If you do it right... Go ahead, hover over it. Look at all the benefits you get. Oh, I don't think anyone does. Maybe yeah. maybe one unique group in the game does get a bonus, but I know us as the hive mind, we do not. And so I meh, I, I'll always have it. I usually unity rush. That's the real way to win Stellaris, everybody is unity mm. rush. <laughs> I tell everyone the shitty <laughs> no, ways to win. True. But it is true. Um I mentioned, I think in the last one, the unity rush with the edicts, that's still really powerful. And as soon as you put on mods where your edicts, you can't just unity rush those ones. It is a whole different game in a longer way, better, longer, <laughs> meh, different experience, flavor change. So get experimental folks out there listening. I mean, that, that'd be my recommendation. Put some mods on, tweak some things, try some different values, um, Really look in the slider and see what you like. Uh, it would be really handy. I know I'm, I'm grasping at straws here, but there is another thing, Solaris, that I most 4X games should have and don't. Presets for game starts. Solaris mm -hmm. is not that bad, but I don't know why yeah, does, people make games sort of 
don't. It do does that. sort of let you preset a little bit because it lets you Last custom game. build Empire and then save it. Or what do you? Oh, wait, what do you sorry, we're talking the games. I was talking game settings, like when you're actually oh, going to go boot okay. up a game. So like when you're like habitable worlds and you're about to choose, okay, yeah, you know, logistics. Yeah. I think all games that should just be like a. Hey, we're going to make a video game. We'll have settings. Yes. Okay. We'll save them. It's for the people. I, I, just across the board. Stellaris are not unique. Civ has had this issue since the inception of civilization. Yeah. Um, but when you're in there and there is a big change of stuff and these settings do make a large difference, it will always be nicer uh, if those are made so that people can pop them in in different ways. I think it does keep the different ones between single and multiplayer, which I will give a big nod to that because that's what saves me from adjusting this thing all the time yeah anything else you want to include in this week's episode stark otherwise i think we have a nice solid one for the folks out there yeah the only thing that comes to mind for me with the pop system so like we mentioned briefly i don't think we ever went to depth. oh the actual well, clark the, one well no the change with the logistic growth ceiling and the, the growth required scaling um those both adjust variables that were instituted with this last update so that's where your population will get to a size like your your empire wide population will get to a size and your growth will just plateau off um i think this is kind of a quick band-aid fix letting people adjust those um i don't think it really addresses the deeper problem with the pops as they are right now in the game and in kind of crazy things i wonder if with the way they're going with the game, if it wouldn't be a better idea just to d ditch the pops entirely. Ooh, um, I don't hate that. Where it's because we have districts and you get the district size and then the number of jobs in that. But if a planet just has a population value as a percentage, right? Like it's not, you know, one to a hundred percent of the population, like up to the, the actual habit, you know, not habitable capacity, but like, your planet just has a percentage of the population that can be represented by a number, you know, like you've got 8 billion people on this planet. That's great. That's cool. It's whatever it is, but that's not 8 billion data points that have to be calculated individually. That's just, this is the percentage of people you have towards filling those roles. And then you get your resources based on what you have on the planet rather than worrying about, you know, you have 26 semi-autonomous AI units on this planet that each need to be managed individually by the system. Like I, it, for what they're trying to simulate, the pops are kind of a weird abstraction and it does have that sort of tabletop, you know, like you're moving counters around feel, but yeah. if it's causing these massive processor problems, I wonder if that entire system shouldn't just get taken out behind the woodshed and replaced with something a little bit smoother as a mathematical calculation that just sits there. You're so right, because the one thing that I mean, in real life, when you get when your tabletop game does get too massive, depending on what you're playing, it, mm -hmm. it can add up on the time. But as people, we then automatically can slim it down on the fly and be like, OK, well, you know, whatever it is to cut down on this, that would make sense since we have no like, as you said, it's a Band-Aid kind of giving us that tool. Uh, what I mentioned with the tabletop thing is a little bit of what's going on here. You can kind of say, OK, we're going to. Let me just read this so I don't I don't want to give people an example without saying it out loud first. But growth required scaling. They have a hover over tooltip that says this controls how much growth is required for each pop in the empire. The higher it is, the slower pops will grow. Warning, 
Lowering this has a significant performance and balance implications and decreases logistic growth ceiling alongside it is highly recommended. So it gives you a little bit of, of recommendation what to do. But ultimately, the warning is the lower you make it so more pop spawn, uh, it, it's going to have the same detrimental impact on the PC. Mm-hmm. So to your point, yes, I hate the idea of quote losing pops as a thing but Mm -hmm. i that's not i don't think the right way to look at it because you said like you said perfectly they're an abstraction they're not really pops they're just numbers behind the scene so maybe they just need more of a graphical representation and like you said they don't actually exist you know that that's your city kind well, of. And it used to be. It used to make a lot more sense too, because it used to be like. Remember, I was talking about the little four by four grid, and you could manually, like, it would automatically assign if you won't let it, but you could manually assign them to each place on the grid, and they'd have their functions there. And that's no longer a thing. Like now, it's just okay. We've got this. We still have the pop system from that era of the game, but you have various job positions, and the game will automatically assign to them, but you can't really drag them around. You can just sort of prioritize a job or unassign from a job. Mm-hmm. And that and has strong limitations. Sorry to jump in, mm-hmm. but that thing, uh, it doesn't defend the current system is the problem there too. Like what we've got mm-hmm. does not make an, an argument for why it should stay because when you can yeah. only prioritize one job per like complex drone or menial drone, and then you can only yeah. like blacklist a thing, that's not enough. I need... I need to be able to choose my first, second, and third, really, is, is mm-hmm. the dump I, I need, or or hit a minimum yeah. on this every month. There's so and many right different now, options. Way, yeah, and right now, the only way to do that is to manually deassign and, you know, like, put hard caps on how many can be in each position to try to push them into others, but then that has to be fiddled with on a regular basis per planet. So, per planet. yeah, that's... <sighs> I, I do. I actually kind of think like it's the population system made sense in an era. The pop system we have made sense in an era when you were assigning pieces to tiles. Mm-hmm. But that's not what we have now. And I, I kind of think it would just be better to get rid of them and then have it so that like when you build your agro, you know, your agro management system, it's just like, OK, well, now you have two additional chunks of resources being produced for each of the, you know, like for each of the existing agricultural districts you've got or you know each of those districts now produces two more per and you can gate that based on like is the planet's population like do you have too many jobs for that population you know does the planet need more people on it to to get there but to manage the to manage the actual pops themselves as individual game pieces at this point i don't i don't think that's actually helpful I would have to agree. I I think there's some really positive changes that can happen here in the near future. I think, again, it reflects the, the change of vision in the game over time. I recognize for anyone out there that's a little bit scared of this, because I, I hear it when I when I listen and envision what Stark's saying. I, I again, have a fear that we lose a little bit of the ma- micro to the game in fear of like a bigger overview but that's what i need and i know i'm not everyone either is the point that i try and keep in mind it is Mm -hmm. normal for me to have 40 to 50 worlds in my empire that's a normal game if i have more or less that's abnormal so i know there are people that happily play with five and that is their number and and i get it physically carpal tunnel wise i get it but i i think that stellaris does lose 
the fantasy, the player fantasy, when we hit the hard caps with these sort of UI things. So if, if it means, to me, if it means losing some of the functionality of pops when they can just be abstracted into a different, oh. easier way, I would be just as happy. I, you know, if it's less maintenance, if it's less CPU burden, sign me up. That actually reminds me of something, mm -hmm. though. Um, you're talking about people running five planets, and it's like, what does Empire Sprawl do? It's not what Empire Sprawl does now. It's what it did before we had the clerk jobs that would just increase your your capacity oh. endlessly. Yeah, it used to be an incentive to build tall. Like if you built wide. And oh. I think this was a conversation I had with, um, I forget who it was, but it was it was in one of our multiplayer games where they were asking like, what do I do about stability or yeah, capacity? And I was like, I don't really care. Right. Don't worry about it. Just keep expanding out. And then I then I stopped and realized this had, this was like a week after a patch, and they the clerks had come in, or they've been revised since the last time I played. And before that, it really was this kind of thing where it's like if you built wide, you had penalties, and if you were trying to build tall, you did not have to deal with the uh, stability issues. You didn't have to deal with capacity. So that is one element of it that was it was at one point designed to further slow down wide builds, but that doesn't really apply anymore. Like there's been, like you said, there've been vision changes and design changes. And so at this point, it's a lot easier or just downright trivial to build up the infrastructure to support these massive empires uh, in a way that wouldn't have been possible in the past. I actually adore that. If we were not at the end of the episode, mm -hmm. I have many other areas that I would like to take that point. So we will save that one along with Stark. I would like to talk about, this is no shocker because I forewarned this. I do have a disappointment with where federations sit right now. And shockingly, it isn't the opposite of where I thought. I thought federations were going to feel weird in the early game. Turns out I feel really sad when our federation dissolves under the Imperium. I might have teased this in the last one a little bit. But it is a weird feeling to go from having a five-star, you know, federation that's at its highest rank and, you know, get all these perks. And then I become the, the chief of the galaxy and that just shuts down. So I kind of get it. But I also, talking about, like, scaring your audience with too much of a shift, it scares me a bit. I actually don't think I'm going to make the Imperium anymore for that reason. Uh, and have the Federation. Yeah, I think I'm going to do Federation plus me as the Galactic Custodian. Now, if they if they're cheering at their office because that is an intended goal, then hallelujah, mission well done. Um, because but I just don't know what the goal is. I can't see that context. Mm -hmm. And so without that context of why that might be their intended goal, I sit here going again, man, what about that Fed? We just spent eight IRL hours working on and enjoying and cheering for its successes and crying for its failures. And then all of a sudden I, I achieve, you know, galactic domination, which again, doesn't really do anything for me yet. Like there's no AI is fighting, but what I did lose was all my camaraderie with friends. So <clears throat> I just want to throw that out there on the table. I think there's a huge conversation. Like I think that's a powder keg of, of interesting insights waiting to be unraveled, to talk about what that does both um, for controlling AIs and, and working with friends. I'd love to hear people's input. So Kyle at revelatornetwork.com is the email. Gilded.gg forward slash RPN is the, the place to chat. Revelator Podcast Network. So uh, Gilded is like a Discord, but with a dev team that really is like invested in it. 
Stark and I were just kind of bemoaning the fact that Microsoft <laughs> bought up a uh, Discord, so we know that's kind of going to go. I fear it's going to go the way of Skype, but Gilded, on the other hand, has a team that actually responds to us when we have problems, and, and there's so many cool channels from to-do lists to calendars. You can put in your available times. So you can game with friends. There's voice chat, of course, and streaming and text chats that are exactly like Discord, but it's got a lot more to offer. So gilded.gg forward slash RPN. Uh, the uh, the huge thing to shout out that I really want to see people get active with, because this is big, uh, we're working on the Stellaris Emergency Broadcast Ambassador Club. That is through the Refer website we mentioned before. Refer.fm forward slash Stellaris. That's refer.fm forward slash Stellaris. That will get you a Stellaris Emergency Broadcast sticker in the mail if you uh, get to the correct amount of shares there. We have that one set up for uh, 10 shares, if you can get that out to 10 friends. Get that in the mail. If you are interested in becoming a member of the website, that's, again, revelatornetwork.com. Uh, Stark and I might do some little bonus content, record some of our extra chats. I have a, a bonus RSS feed set up now that members get. So if you subscribe to those tiers, you can gain access. And, oh, if you want to share other show, the paranormal one, Chaos and Shadow, refer.fm forward slash chaos. The reason I bring that one up right here right now is that will get you a free month of the website if you share that show. So uh, I'm working on it. This refer program is really nice, Referomatic. They, they're setting us up one for each of the shows that I have. Um, but in the meantime, we're doing a little diversity of rewards. Different shows have different things. They'll probably switch it around a little bit too to keep it fun and spicy. Stark, otherwise you're over on, you got your Twitter, you got How mm -hmm. to Fight Right, so people should absolutely check that out. Anything you yeah. want to shout out from your projects lately? No, I think that's about it. Like, I'm still chugging away on how to fight right. Um, been working on stuff with Michi, but nothing that's going to be ready to announce for a while. That's totally, totally fine. We'll, we'll, I'll keep asking you anytime you want to highlight your articles and such here. Yeah. You're more than welcome to. Um, for folks out there, I, I just say get involved. To enjoy. You are building this podcast with us, for us, around us. Like, it is really, truly amazing. Uh, the five-star reviews are fantastic. I want to get to shouting those out. So please leave a couple more up there. We'll get to dropping those. You said the website, the Gilded, the, the membership program. Those are my big ones. Oh, the ESP group kicked off. So I, I teased this before with the, the psionic uh, stuff in the game. We're literally mm -hmm. going through... CIA reports from the, the 70s where they dropped like millions of dollars into these psychic research programs and yeah. you can do the stuff and they're actually really interesting when it comes to meditation it's got me way deeper than I've ever gone before and it's just like the first couple so I'm really amped if you're a history buff like I am if you're a paranormal buff if again you like sci-fi and the supernatural it, it's it's really crazy to see that like there's a lot more science than one would expect and the CIA report concludes uh, by saying that the U.S. government should have invested more research into psychic development and <laughs> trained a lot more people, says one of their lieutenant colonels that had the position and had to do it. It was a big deal. It like, was a huge seriously, deal. It was, it was a huge deal in the, uh, during the Cold War. Huge. And nowadays people like think you're like someone came by Twitch the other day and were like, when did you go insane, Kyle? But they said it a lot worse. <laughs> like it was really malicious. There were some expletives Ouch. in there. And I was just like, I kind of get it. Like a year ago. It's a weird topic. Yeah. yeah I would have been like, I don't buy a single thing. This is all nuts. 
especially because it does start to circle the waters around Yuri Geller, who some people have extremed out over with the spoon bending and all that. Um, there are characters that get involved and uninvolved that like make people go, hmm. But on the flip side, like you said, I mean, the report also states that this is a number one priority because the Soviets are doing it and yada, yada, yada. So that's the yeah, weird stuff. Interesting. Yeah. Weird stuff I got going on. I will say Stark and I have been hanging out on Twitch on Wednesday nights. I'm hosting that over at Kyle Paranormal. And that's my big time. I'm trying to get everyone coming by the stream on like one night a week. I might branch out to another uh, here or there, maybe like add in a, a weekend day, but definitely focus in the party on Wednesday nights. And I think that's, that's been seven days to die lately, isn't it? It has been seven days to die. Yes, you're right. Cool. We did a fallout mod in there, which has been beyond fun. <laughs> But we've been cool. taking a little bit of break from Nemesis as it's getting its mod updates and all this. I'm feeling about ready, especially with this. Whenever we get uh, these these next rounds in, I know I'm going to be back at the saddle, in the saddle, on the saddle, getting ready and digging into more Solar. So come play with us. Again, join the guild. That's it, folks. Stay safe, everyone. Be good to yourselves. And we'll catch you probably in two weeks with a new episode. Bye-bye. Take care.